Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Push Through Podcast. I'm your host, Keisha Reeves. I'm a licensed professional counselor with a group practice here in Atlanta, Georgia, where I specialize in women as well as maternal mental health. Here on the podcast, we'll talk about womanhood, motherhood, and a little bit of everything in between. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a quick chat with me. Have you purchased your Push Through Mama Summit ticket yet? Well, tickets are going fast and you need to get yours today. We have a phenomenal keynote speaker. We have breakout sessions covering reclaiming your freedom and owning your identity as a woman and as a mother, as well as how to have positive body image as you learn to adjust to your postpartum body, as well as combating anxiety, breakout sessions where you'll be able to meet other mothers across the country, journal prompting, and some sound bath meditation. Doesn't that sound like a good time? A way to escape all of the responsibilities in your life, get connected, breathe, relax, learn, gain some coping skills, and feel refreshed and empowered to take on the day. It's gonna be an intimate setting, being that we're gonna be able to meet and talk and express everything that we're feeling with one another with a small group. So we don't have that many tickets left. So if you haven't gotten your tickets yet, get it today before we're sold out. As a special offer for podcast listeners only, use promo code PUSH, P-U-S-H, to get $10 off your ticket. Get it today. Thank you guys for joining me for another episode of the Push Through Podcast. And I am joined with January Few. She is a licensed professional counselor, a psychologist, and an author. Um, She has recently released a new book, um, which is called Pretty Introspection. Um, So we're going to talk a little bit about all of that and everything that she does. But thank you, January, for joining the show. Thank you for having me. So happy to be here. (laughs) Thanks. Now, okay, so there's so much for us to cover because you're also a mother of three and you work in the school system and you have this book and you're in a sorority, like you, you're balancing so many balls. Um, Multitasking. Multitasking. And what I didn't know, I didn't even know you were LPC. I'm an LPC. I had no idea. I know. I know. (laughs) So that was new for me, but I know that I know you, um, for the listeners that don't, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you originally from? So I am from Oakland, California, the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. I now live in um, the metropolitan area of Georgia or Atlanta. I went to Clark Atlanta University, which is what brought me to Georgia. Proud alumna of CAU. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a wife of 15 years, um, a mother of three and um a child of god (laughs) (laughs) it was it was it clark that brought brought you to georgia it was clark yes okay what was it like growing up in the bay area so it was like it was a culture shock moving out here Mm -hmm. first and foremost because i had um a bunch of different ethnicities in terms of friendships and friends and people that I saw on a day-to-day basis. I was a soccer player. Oh, cool. um, I played soccer I came... too, January. Did? I did. I played in college. <laughs> <laughs> Small world. So yeah, it was um it was really it was really diverse. 
And that's all I knew because mm. I went to school with Native Americans, mm. Pacific Islanders, Asian Americans, you know, Hispanic, Mexican, you name it. They were it was like a melting pot. So when I came out to Georgia and really um, saw the discrepancy between like North and South or white and black, because I was in the school system that was really quite honestly, it appeared segregated. Mm. It was like, what is yeah. this? Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. From a professional standpoint. Now, when I went to Clark Atlanta, it was still a culture shock because it was the AUC. And as you know, it's, you know, historically black colleges and universities in there. So I was just among other African-Americans. And I was like, where are the other races? Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. That's one of the things that that um, brought me here and that I really enjoyed um, getting getting to know my history more, I, I guess you would say. Gotcha. So who were the maternal figures that were in your life growing up? My mother, um, my aunts, my grandmother. My mom is the youngest girl of 10 siblings. And she is a California girl as well from um, Fresno, California. So midpoint, like they consider that the valley. Mm. Her Her background was much different than mine because it was predominantly white in that area when she was growing up. So um, she kind of had a culture shock going to the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. But I had my grandparents um, up until college years. Mm -hmm. And then because uh, she was one of the younger siblings, of course, they were much older. So, um, you know, they passed away when I was in college. Gotcha. Okay. And did you always know that you wanted to be a mom? Oh, yeah. I wanted to be a mom more so than a wife. Yeah, I can I can remember vividly playing with Cabbage Patch Kids mm. back then, mm-hmm. Barbie dolls. I never had a Barbie dream house or anything, but definitely my little baby dolls, combing hair. <laughs> um, I am one of three girls. I'm the middle child, and we're all eight years apart. So oh, wow. my younger sister um, was like my baby. So I would hold her, and I helped my mom with her hair, and I just always knew that that's what I wanted to be. Awesome. Okay. Sure. And so you have three kiddos. What are their ages? So I have a 14 year old daughter. She'll be 15 in August. Um, my son is 12. And then my baby girl just turned eight, June 29th. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So they have their own like age differences with that. And I remember we were talking and you were saying like with your youngest, you really wanted to have like one more after you had your two you really, really advocated to have like one more with your yes. husband. <laughs> and he was like, no, we have a set. We have a boy and a girl. And my son, he's like, he's potty trained now. No, no. So that's why I have about a five-year gap between the middle and the youngest because I finally convinced him. <laughs> now, <laughs> she what... was the only planned pregnancy. Uh, she was the only planned. <laughs> now, what... Um... What was it like with your first, like the pregnancy? What was that experience like for you? So I gave birth at age 27. Mm -hmm. Um, I was the first in my friend circle to be married and to have kids. So that in itself was um, crazy difficult. Uh, But in terms of my actual pregnancy, just my body changing, she's the only pregnancy that um, everything swell up like from my face i got the pregnancy mask with her i didn't develop that with any of the other two pregnancies 
Um, I had a low-lying placenta with all three of them, so it was kind of risky there at the end because they didn't know if it was going to move or not. Um, and then when I actually gave birth, I didn't know what contractions, you know, felt like, yes. obviously. Mm -hmm. And I have a pretty high tolerance for pain. So um, thank God my mom at that point had come from California to assist me. And I was like, hmm, you know, I keep getting like these cramps, but, you know, they're bearable or what have you. So I went to the doctor and she was delivered at Northside because at the time, I'm, I'm sure it's still very popular, but, you know, everybody was like, go to Northside, go to Northside. Mm -hmm. They're the best, whatever. But we lived in Austell, so it was still quite a drive. Mm -hmm. And so I went there and he was like, you're not even three centimeters dilated. So he sent me back home. And so because I was a first time mom or first time, you know, going through contractions, I, I paid attention to my body, but I really didn't know the, going through the motions. I didn't know. So when they got really intense, I was like, there's no need to go because he's just going to say uh, that, you know, I'm not dilated. And that's a long drive and thinking about other people and my husband and having to fight traffic. I was like, it's probably nothing. So by the time I finally got there, because my mom insisted on it. I was fully dilated. Oh my God. One of my biggest fears was um, having a natural birth. I did not want a natural birth. Mm. <laughs> I was petrified of a natural birth. So I remember them willing me into um, Northside. They didn't have a, a room available. I told my husband I had to use the bathroom. So I went in the bathroom and I'm pushing and I'm pushing. I'm like, why isn't anything coming out? Oh my goodness, January. <laughs> so we go back out, we get to the room, the nurse comes in, I'm like, you know, when they're intense now, when can I have my medicine? I just knew it was medicine that I was supposed to be getting, so where's my medicine? She said, oh baby, you know, you can't um, have any medicine, you're fully dilated, you're 10 centimeters. I just burst into tears oh because God. I was like, my greatest fear is coming true. And shortly after that, I gave birth to my, um, my daughter and then I passed out you passed out I passed out like um, almost immediately after giving birth um, you know I don't remember but my husband says they had given me some water and all he remembers is like looking at me and saying Jan are you okay and me reaching with the water dropping the water and passing out so then I awoke to a lot of people of course <laughs> um, a lot of people um, by me and they said that they attribute it to me having such a fast delivery and losing so much blood mm. in the delivery process. But they said, you know, everything was fine after that. And I'm just really grateful for that particular experience because you just hear horrible things with maternal health with African-American yeah. women. And that was not the case um, in any instance for me. Right. So that was a blessing. Yeah, that is a blessing, especially for that to be your first experience. Um, you know, not really knowing. Cause sometimes they'll say that they'll say, oh, you'll know when your water breaks and like, I never, my, my water never broke with, with anyone. <laughs> right. I was waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, okay. I mean, that's, yeah, that's a lot. And that's zero to a hundred, literally. <laughs> now, what was it like when you went home? Like, obviously you had support. Your husband was there. You said your mom flew into town. Um, how was it getting adjusted to motherhood with your first at home? Well, what I didn't say is that, so I've been married 15 years and my daughter will be 15 in August. So that <laughs> lets you know that, um, 
we we had known each other obviously and dated for a couple of years but we were thrust kind of into an instant family mm. and so we're still um you know newlyweds practically getting to know each other young young people relatively speaking and he has always till this day worked two jobs so my husband is from here um however during that time his mother was not um she wasn't coming over a, a whole bunch. Mm -hmm. So it was really just my mom who had to, you know, eventually fly back to California. I think she only stayed maybe two weeks. Mm. So to answer your question, it was um, definitely an adjustment because um, here you have this tiny little human being. Um, I recognized that he was working, you know, like I said, he had always been working. So I didn't want to necessarily disturb his sleep. Yeah. So I tried to handle a lot of everything on my own. I breastfed. Um, so I put, put her in the bed beside us and, you know, basically let her latch on while I'm still laying there mm. trying to sleep, even though I know you're not supposed yeah. to do that, <laughs> but you know, you do what you have to do. And, um, so I really, those early early moments or early months, I would say, I tried not to bother him. So it was just overwhelming. And then not having the support of my friends, because they didn't really know, you know, they were living yeah. their best lives out here living their life like, like it was golden. Right, right. Like, they weren't thinking about visiting or helping or asking if I needed help or, you know, if I had slept or anything. So it was rough. Yeah, that's hard. And I relate to that a lot. How did you get through those tough moments? Because I know sometimes when you're in it, it can feel like, is this my life now? Is right. this, you know, forever? Like the lack of sleep, trying, you know, bonding, trying to adjust, do all the things. And then you were fairly young, you know, mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure you had your own careers and, and ambitions and all that stuff. I mean, obviously you've, you've gotten credentials since then, but <laughs> how did you like, how did you push through it? Oh, so if I have to be honest, it probably came to like a head. So it was a difficult time in our, our marriage because mm -hmm. um, it was still so new. So I can remember um, I can remember one conversation or um, argument or what have you. And I'm like, all you do is work. You know, I'm here all the time with the baby. And I had um, a crying baby. <laughs> <laughs> we tease her now, but she cried all the time. And for a new mom that doesn't know the balance, um, like what is appropriate crying or, yeah. you know, how long a baby is supposed to cry, is something wrong with her, is she colicky, what is going on? It was a lot. I can. I was just having a conversation with one of my um, friends who is um, a little bit one year older than me, but she is a new mom to two. She had her kids late. And so now I'm looking at everybody that either has kids or doesn't. And I'm like, yeah, my kids can babysit. Been there, done that. <laughs> and anyway, I was like, um, I, I can remember holding her and really wanting to shake her quiet. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, okay, that's not a, she was like, do you think you experienced postpartum depression? And I was like, I don't know. Like maybe I said, but the, just the circumstances around it just, I was lonely, yeah. so I don't know, you know, thinking back, it could have been um, postpartum, but it could have been just the newness of motherhood. Um, so how did I get through it? I eventually burst and told my husband, like, something has to give. I need some help. This is this is a lot. I communicated with my friends and I was like, I'm really lonely. You guys don't even 
you know, everybody is going out and nobody even comes over and says anything. So it kind of got better mm -hmm. because they were aware, um, but just worked it out. You spoke up. I mean, that's that's <laughs> yeah, neat. I did. I did. And, and communication, Eventually. yeah, asking, getting your support to support you is a huge, huge part of it. How, okay, so having had that experience, so you had this birth that went super fast, you um, had a natural birth when you did not want to, there was a lot of loneliness afterwards, um, you had a crying baby, what prompted you to have a second one? Things got better. <laughs> Things got better. Um, she, you know, developed her little personality. She was sleeping through the night. She was my baby doll. So my, you know, my baby doll basically came to life in personality mm. and in the flesh. <laughs> so it, it mellowed out. And then I went um, back to work. So the, the sense of normalcy, I began to, you know, really miss her. Um, trying to navigate, you know, the daycare situation was horrible because I didn't know where to go, when to send her, they were waiting list, all that kind of stuff. So just getting through that, missing her, um, definitely wanting her to have a sibling because we are eight years apart. I recognize that in my relationship with my sisters, they, my older sister took on like the role of mother and I did not want that mm. for her. Mm -hmm. I wanted her to have a sibling who she can confide in and she could play with. So um, again, uh, Cameron, my son wasn't planned. <laughs> I actually, um, with Layla and Cameron, my first two, I was on birth control. Oh, wow. However, <laughs> I've always been really bad with the daily um, dose and taking it um, the same time every day, remembering to take it. So it were there were days that I would like double up. <laughs> and so I got I got two babies out of the oh, double wow. up. But I was technically on birth control, just not taking it properly. So. He wasn't planned, but he was a blessing, and I really enjoy their relationship. Um, have always enjoyed their relationship and the closeness that they have because they are two and a half years apart. But she really, when I think about it, she didn't get much time being an only child at all. Oh, now how how was your experience with him, labor and delivery, in comparison to your oldest? So I knew what to expect, and I told them um, months before that you know i have my baby fast um i want to i dilate it quickly even though that's a hit or miss i don't know if i really dilate it quickly or if i was just at home dilating mm -hmm. um but i told them i dilated quickly and i was not trying to do that again so um with both he and colin they were able to uh, monitor me more closely because i was in the hospital um, actually, no, let me take that back. So with Cameron, it was always something. So I had the low lying placenta again, but with Cameron, I had to be induced, but only by like a week. Hmm. I was advocating for, um, <laughs> like that 36 week, but they're like, no, you can, you can hold on a little longer. But he started to give me, um, heart palpitations that oh, were wow. too frequent. Yeah. So I was actually in and out of the hospital, the, um, final, month in and out staying for like a day here a day there monitoring my heart uh, monitoring uh, the baby um i had never gotten a flu shot ever mm. um but he was born in december so they were like if you want to have a healthy baby and you want to protect yourself you really need to have a flu shot so i got a flu shot because i was already in the hospital 
Um, so that was um, the complication with him, just the heart palpitations. But in terms of the actual delivery, I was able to get my uh, epidural probably around five centimeters dilated. Oh, good. And I had him at Piedmont Hospital. So it was an, another good experience. That's good. Well, now, what, what was it like going from one kid to two kids? I, I've heard <laughs> from other people. Um, now, with Ezra and Ellis, they're three years apart. It wasn't uh, too difficult. I mean, like Ezra had to get like adjusted to there's this whole other person I got to share my attention with. <laughs> but what was that experience like with you? Um, I don't remember it being too tough, Good. honestly. Um, I remember like the whole car seat and mm-hmm. strollers and do we do we need a double stroller because she's technically walking, but you know, um, she's still little. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she could still fit in the back. I think we did have a double stroller at one point, um, but just all the all the actual items that you have to lug along with a baby, and then having a two year old, that was difficult. Mm-hmm. But them actually together, um, I had more time off with him. Hmm. I had accumulated because you got to realize um, I got married, had started my career. I moved back from California, got married, started my career. I didn't have any sick days. Mm. I had no time um, after after basically starting work. So I had to um, go on to FMLA. And then, like I told you, my husband has always worked two jobs. So I didn't want to. Um, not abuse it, but I couldn't stay out too long. I had to get back to work so I could get that check. So with Cameron, I had accumulated more time. So I was able to stay off a little bit longer. And then by that time, um, we were pretty set with the daycare. So I knew where he would be going. With the first child, they don't tell you. I mean, you're, you're investigating, you're researching, you're trying to find the, you know, the perfect spot for the kid. Um, your ideal spot might not necessarily be available, so you get on a waiting list while you're pregnant. So it was just really difficult. I remember being stressed out because of the daycare with Layla, but for Cameron, we were set. Mm. So gotcha. Now, in the midst of all of this, had you already gotten your doctorates, or were you get you were getting it? So I actually um, was not going to go back to school. Mm. <laughs> I had no desire to go back to school. Um, my program for my master's was three years. And um, immediately following that, I got my job out here. So I wasn't trying to go back to school. But again, finances, I knew that I would be able to get some support from student loans. Mm -hmm. So Cameron was about six months old and I started my program. Mm -hmm. Um, And then short, I think my husband, did he start first? He might have started first. I ended up finishing first because of the setup of the actual program. Um, But we needed that financial support. So that's how I, that's really what motivated me to get it. Uh, And that again has been a blessing though in disguise because um, of course with that comes more income. Right, right. Now, how did you balance that? I mean, cause that's, that's a good bit. You know, you got two kids, you're going back to school, you're getting your doctorates, you're working, you're maintaining your marriage. How did you juggle all of that? you get into a routine and fortunately for me my program um it started off in sarasota but then like you mentioned it began to be too uh overwhelming to have to go back and forth down there mm-hmm. it was costing financially and it was costing in terms of me being away from my two small kids or having to lug them with me so i um, initially started off in sarasota 
Um, and then I was able to transfer to the online division. So it was a for-profit school. So, I mean, like hindsight, I would not have done that. But because uh, the opportunities back then were either full-time, um, you're going to school full-time, you cannot work, mm-hmm. or you have to do online. Um, and the online programs, I feel as though that they kind of prolonged them on purpose. Mm. So I never took off um I never took off of my program, but it still took me five years mm. because of the amount of classes that they only allow you to take per term. Gotcha. And meantime, you're racking up bills, right, of course, right. um, for student loans. So. Gotcha. Okay. So just but that's the only way I was able to do it was because it was online. And then my husband, like I said, he also was um, working on his doctorate at that particular time. So I can remember uh, us setting up because Colin wasn't born. So we set up one of the rooms in our home as an office and he had a desk. I had a desk. He Mm. had a computer. I had a computer and we would just tag team. Wow. Okay. Okay. And then um, I know like throughout all of this, you were saying um, earlier in the conversation how you really wanted to have one more. Like that was just really important to you. What what kind of like signaled to you that you weren't done? What was it just a feeling, a thought or? It's, I love the baby stage. Mm. Like I, 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 I know it's like an oxymoron because like the first one I was so like, oh my God, I wanted to shake her or whatever. <laughs> but I really love the baby stage mm-hmm. and I wanted to have another baby. And because it's three of us, it just made sense that it was three. Honestly, if my pregnancies weren't difficult in the sense of, um, low-lying placenta every time and then the heart palpitations and then we had money obviously mm-hmm. more money I wouldn't mind to have a four mm. but just financially I mean we can't at this point but um financially you just want to be able to give your kids everything that you didn't have right and so we are afforded the opportunity because my husband's second job is delta so we're able to fly but you you know it's on standby and it's very difficult to get five standby (laughs) seats depending on the time of the year so just being able to provide them with extracurriculars um vacations you know it's, it's it's better for us financially to uh keep it at three yeah. so we can give them everything that their little hearts desire. Gotcha. And you just got back from Puerto Rico? St. Croix. St. Croix. And everybody, she traveled with three kids by herself. By myself. <laughs> <laughs> Any tips and, and tricks that you, you did? Cause, cause I, well, my I, kids are older, so yeah. you know, I would definitely recommend having um older kids to be able to help you case in point uh i rented a car obviously with my three babies and my daughter is very technologically savvy so she was able to connect her phone to the bluetooth so we could have you know our music playing Uh. in the car and she's just so helpful with her younger siblings walking through the airport um you know normally you would have mommy up front and the kids in the middle and daddy, you know, in the back or vice versa. So mm-hmm. I was at the front, she was at the back and we were just, mm-hmm. you know, rotating it in, going through checkpoints or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it makes it, it's, it's a lot easier when you have big kids. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that. Did you guys have a great time? We had a good time. We, we stayed just the right amount of time for me being by myself mm-hmm. and, um, 
because we are standby. We initially were trying to go to Puerto Rico because my older sister and my nephew went to Puerto Rico on actual um, tickets. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't want to go necessarily by myself. I wanted some help. I was trying to get to Puerto Rico, but everybody and their mama was flying to Puerto Rico, so we couldn't make it. So St. Croix was actually a spur of the moment um, island that we went to. I wanted to kind of give them out of the country experience without being out of the country because they have had their passport since um, my youngest was three and they never used it. Mm -hmm. Not that we needed to use it at this point, but I still was like, we have these flight benefits and you guys, we go back and forth to California all the time or, you know, stay in the United States, but you guys have not seen, you know, other people and other, other cultures necessarily. So it was just the opportunity to be able to do that. Awesome. Now, something that I I do wanted to ask you, I did want to ask you about. So in my line of work and working with women and working with mothers, um, a lot of the times when they have a child or have had multiple children, it can put like a huge strain on their marriage and even just on themselves of how they view themselves and their self-esteem or how their body has changed. And I noticed um, that you guys, you know, have your date nights and you go out and you take all of these cute selfies and you have like a great social life. Like how, how have you been able to like maintain your marriage or, or how do you guys make it an intention to have date nights and do things together? So date nights are relatively new in terms of the consistency of the date nights. Um, That has been something that we have been really consistent about the past year and a half. Mm. And if I had to be honest, um, it was a point where I I go up and down, honestly, throughout this marriage in terms of feeling overwhelmed or feeling like um, everything is on me. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you're working two jobs. Yeah, I understand you're working two jobs, but I'm working three jobs. You know, when you put it into perspective, I'm the one that's here with everything. And then when my husband is off, um, they still come to me, yeah. my mommy. They ask, they'll bypass him straight <laughs> out and come in the bathroom while I'm on the toilet and ask me something, which is such a pet peeve. I know, I, and I because they are older, I tell them, this is bothering me. <laughs> yeah. I'm pissing mommy off. This is a way to get me. Get me upset. He's right there. He's right downstairs. Go ask him. Oh, I didn't even see him. Oh, I didn't know he was here. Oh, this. Oh, that. And I'm just like, ah. So um, that has been consistent. And so we had to go to therapy Mm. because, um, well, it was other things, obviously, as well. But that was a big one, taking time to be with one another, as well as taking time for ourselves. So they recommended in therapy that when we come home um, from work, I'm I'm the type of person that when I am confronted with confrontation, I I flee. Because I need to process it. It's not like I'm just trying to escape. It's like I, I'm so angry or, or, or I'm so overwhelmed or whatever that I need to think. I need to calm down. I need to think of what I'm truly, really wanting to say to you. And then I come back and then my husband is the opposite. He wants to talk right then. So we had to learn in therapy that, um, first of all, you know, I'm coming back. 
<laughs> I just need to process it. And um, I don't need you all in my face because I don't escalate things. Mm-hmm. But she recommended when we go, um, when we're at work and we're coming home after a long day or whatever, just have like 10 minutes by ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like, so she said, you know, you know, but it's gotten better because the kids are older. Like they're in their rooms now. They, yeah. they don't care. I've been gone all morning. <laughs> they don't care. But when they were younger, <laughs> you have to really say, give mommy a moment, give daddy a moment, or allow him to go um, to the basement and um, relax for a couple of minutes. And then he give me that same time if I can't do it immediately to switch it. So because um, we got those pointers, she was also saying that we needed to get a babysitter because they were younger at the time. Mm -hmm. And by this time, my parents have, you know, they've been here for 14 years now. My daughter is 14. Mm. So we were relying a lot on my parents, his mom, but his mom is, um, she's by herself. So, you know, and she was working, but we were like relying a lot on family because I felt that I had burnt out my friends Uh. (laughs) and I didn't, you know, it was, it's, it's, it's no fun when you're burning out your friends. So, um, and then now relationships have changed anyway. So we don't need a babysitter, which is a plus. That's huge because yeah. that can a, be a financial burden to the family. And then you have to trust somebody. Yeah. Um, so my advice to young couples or young families in that um, we were fortunate enough, and this might not be the case for everyone, but the daycare provider, the daycare teacher actually um, befriended our family uh, and we yeah. trusted her yeah. and she was offering up her services outside of the daycare. So if you can find a trusted teacher um, that your kid is familiar with already and that knows your kid, that that is golden. Because then you don't have to rely on family or burn friends out and you can have your date nights or what have you. Um, So that is something, you know, because I didn't want teenagers per se watching Mm -hmm. my kids back Mm -hmm. then anyways. Um, and definitely not going on an app or anything like that. So right. it was always family or um, that particular teacher that, that assisted with us. And then she said, and then finally we got to a point where we're at a point where they're big, they're on their gadgets, they're <laughs> cooking food, they're doing what they need to do. And so um, like tonight, my daughter was like, can uh, my friend come over to tell her dad um, she can come over, but it's date night. We're not going to be here. <laughs> And she's like, okay. I'm like, you guys will have to feed yourself. Okay. <laughs> so that that has been awesome. But then the oxymoron to that is my oldest, she'll be going to college in three years. Oh, and I'm like, gosh. where did the time go? Yeah. People say to really like cherish the moments and, and you know, as cliche as that sounds, it is so true. Because you go through this, this newness of motherhood or parenthood. And then you go through rough times or rough patches with your kids. And then it's time for them to go yeah, be little adults. Yeah. And it's like, wait a minute, you just got fun now. <laughs> I know. I know. You just got back fun. I know. I was telling um, David, my husband, I was like, oh, I can't wait. You know, I mean, I can wait. But when the boys are in college and I can like call them and say, hey, I'm coming up this weekend. We can get lunch. And he was like, they ain't going to want to have lunch with you. <laughs> great advice about um date nights a sitter now how do you maintain your 
yourself. Like you do self-care, you you know, you always do your hair nice, you have photo shoots and you go out with friends and, and all of that stuff. How have you always made it a priority to pour into I yourself? haven't. Mm -hmm. I have not always made it a priority. Um, and it still can be really difficult. And our dear friend, um, let me know early on in our relationship that I'm an introvert extrovert. Well, she says I'm more of an extrovert, but I've always considered myself an introvert, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. um, but then she really broke it down to me. And so I was um, I was telling another girlfriend that we got back from St. Croix, literally. We were, we were back, we got back Thursday. Friday's normally date night. Um, my husband cooked dinner, because um, Colin's favorite thing is crab legs, and since he wasn't actually there for our birthday, he cooked a birthday dinner, mm. so we forfeited our date night. But he had asked me, he was like, do you want to go out? And I was like, no, because I, I often say, you're gone a lot. I want you to spend time, I, there's only one of him, but I'm like, I want you to, I want to create these memories. I need you to spend time with the kids. So I forfeited our date night thinking um, that we would do something Saturday, and he said he was going to the Hawks game. So I was like, hmm. Okay. So I had a whole attitude <laughs> Saturday and he didn't know why. And I didn't know how to necessarily express it. Cause I kind of felt foolish about being like, well, though we were going to do something. <laughs> so I didn't say anything. Then we had a little spat and then I had to apologize and say, okay, this is why I was acting that way. Um, but it's taken a lot of growth for me not to hold on to stuff mm. and be able to let it out relatively soon. I felt like that day, even though it was later in the day, was definitely progress because he knew what was going on. But I say all that to say that that um, Saturday when he was gone, I was here with all three kids. All three kids were doing something on their phones or on the computer, and I really felt lonely. Mm. And so I am in a sorority. Part of the reason why I joined was for the sisterhood. Yeah. Because um, the friendships that I have that I've had since college have dwindled down. Mm -hmm. um, and they're not the same. So I was searching for that. And so I literally text a group of six line sisters. And every one of them was like, oh, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I can't do that. Da, 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 da. And I remember sitting there like, why can't you just sit here by yourself? Like you just came off of a whole trip yeah. where you were with your kids. What is going on with you that you feel like you just got to be doing something? So I'm trying to self-evaluate that. Mm. So to answer your self-care thing, it's, it's, it's a balance between self-care and then um, me trying to recognize in my own growth what it is that I can't just go out by myself and, and be chill and be okay with that. Yeah. Why do I need other people around me? Right. I wonder if that is your your introvert extrovert. If you feel like you're getting fed off of other people's energy. I don't know. Interesting. But you're self aware to look into I that. <laughs> so that's, that's half good. the battle, right? Now the the other big thing um, that you were able to accomplish in the midst of all of that is to write a book. Um, yes. And in the book, you go over love and marriage and you even have like question prompts and you talk about motherhood and, and all of that. What kind of prompted you? Well, first, tell us a little bit about the book and what prompted you to write it. So pretty introspection stemmed from a Facebook group that I created um, during the pandemic that I invited 
women that I have um, some type of relationship with, whether it be a really close relationship or I think they're cool, I think they can relate or I think they will have something to um, give within the Facebook group um, based upon things like every, you know, how you might be driving in your car and something comes to your mind or you question uh, an occurrence that has had. Well, that happens all the time mm -hmm. to me. And I'm like, huh. Or I think about or self-reflect on something that has happened. And maybe um, I, I always say I pride myself in trying to see various perspectives. But in mm -hmm. hon all honesty, you know, your perspective is going to be the strongest. Mm -hmm. um, so I wanted to get other input on different scenarios that I was having or that I have had or that a friend um, might have had in terms of relationships, uh, motherhood, mindset, um, and just friendships. Friendships was a big one because, again, I've been seeking um, something that I feel like I've had all of my life for the past five years because my friendships have really watered down mm -hmm. uh, in, in my adult life. Mm -hmm. And so that caused me to think, okay, I'm 42 now. What is the likelihood that I'm going to get some 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 new girlfriends that are going to be some real true girlfriends that won't judge me? Right. Because I feel like in my friendships from college, my perception was they're judging me mm. in certain in certain um, relationships. Um, I would feel as though um, I'm closer to one person, or I would feel as though there ex there was exclusion, or um, in the friendships some would uh, click off. And just being mature enough now to recognize that we all basically um, go through life and sometimes things bond us, yeah. depending on what we're going on. And that doesn't mean that somebody loves us less right. or what have you, but that's just, you know, we gravitate the pe to the people that are experience experiencing the same thing. But I felt as though my friends were excluding me or that they were putting me in the box of... Um, people used to say I was selfish a lot mm. and I am to a certain degree and now I own it and I'm like that's not a bad thing but you know back then it was I could see how it was perceived as a bad thing and so I remember um, like during the pandemic we had a, um, a zoom with the college friends and one of them were like oh that's just Jan being selfish you know Jan her typical selfish self or something like that mm. and so I immediately shut down because I'm not confrontational yeah. and I didn't want to speak on it at that time. You know, everybody's laughing and joking. But one of my other friends was like, after the Zoom, she was like, yeah, um, I noticed you kind of you didn't say anything um, after a certain point. Like, how was that for you? And, you know, what, did it feel the same? Da, da, da. And I told her about the other friend saying that and she didn't even notice. You know, a lot of times they don't even notice um, something that might be going on with you and she was like well just talk to her which would have been in years past something that i did not do mm. i would have held on to it or i just I, that friendship um it means more to me than just cutting it off but yeah. i have a tendency to just walk away because <laughs> it's just easier for me yeah even though you know there might be love there or whatever it's just easier to just to walk away and i said you know what this relationship means something to me let me go ahead and call her and let her know. And she was very apologetic. Mm. Um, you know, she was like, I didn't mean it. You know, I didn't mean it like that. I'm sorry that you felt that way, but I could see how you would feel. She acknowledged it. Mm. She acknowledged it and she um, apologized. So that was huge. Um, but yeah, so I'm just, I'm at a point where 
I needed to, uh, I won't say work through, but I put out different scenarios that I've been through that I feel like other people could relate to. Mm. And I would put it out in the, the Facebook group. And I've been wanting to publish a book um, for a while. I actually have three children's books oh that um, they just need um, illustrations. That's the hold up on those, finding the right illustrator. But I wrote those when I was pregnant with Layla. So I've had them for years yeah. and it's a little um, series. But this one came into fruition because someone in the Facebook group, unbeknownst to me, she decided to share because I found that sometimes women, African-American women, don't share. Mm. And I feel like I'm an open book and I will tell you all of my business, good or bad. <laughs> that's just that's just if I if I feel comfortable with yeah. you, I'll, I'll say it. I might think later on, dang, I said too much, you know, <laughs> but initially I will say it. So she shared the fact that she was doing a book. She had someone assist her with publishing because a lot of times you don't know about publishing or copyright and all that kind of yeah. stuff. So she guided me through and I had enough material just from the Facebook group from the pandemic to um, write about all these topics. And then I noticed in going through them that they um, could be categorized. Yeah. And I, that was not purposefully done. So it was a reoccurring theme. Um, throughout the group, <laughs> throughout the Facebook group, because this is my life. Yeah. So I'm talking about motherhood. I'm talking about friendships. I'm talking about mindset because I'm trying to change my mindset and become more comfortable with myself. Yeah. And then um, I'm talking about friendships. Mm, I love that. And I, that's I, a long answer. I'm sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> I love it. I love it how it's getting you to like think about different things. There's all of those different prompts to kind of view it in that way. Like it, I love how it stemmed from a Facebook group and and perhaps because you're in mental health or maybe it's just because of who you are you are a very introspective person and you are very self-aware and like a constant work in pro progress as we all should be um yes. but it's a good kind of go-to guide to be able to reflect so that's awesome well thank you i really i've gotten really positive feedback um from people you know how you you uh sell it to friends or family and they're like yeah i got your book but i have two books on my bookshelf now that i bought from friends that i have not opened <laughs> so when people have actually um read it mm -hmm. and given me the positive feedback or say how they can relate it just is so amazing and i'm like okay so you get it because sometimes yeah. i i get in my head a lot <laughs> I get in my head a lot. I question things a lot. I question myself a lot. And so that was really um, a therapeutic outlet for me. And then, like you said, being able to self-reflect yeah. and um, try to gain different perspectives on it and think of how you could have done something differently. Mm -hmm. um, it really, it really helped. Yeah. I mean, you know, I love anything like that because uh, I do therapy. So that's just right up my lane of how, you know, just anybody, someone who comes into counseling can just see things in a very narrow-minded way and being able to offer them a different perspective. And how I said it's kind of like a guide to help prompt you to think about things in a different way because everything isn't just black and white sometimes. Awesome. Okay, so my, my last question is, even though I know you have uh, gotten into these different roles not always intentionally like you said like your first two pregnancies wasn't planned um your marriage kind of happened kind of quickly but you worked through it you got your doctorates for an alternative reason because you weren't necessarily trying to get your doctorates you wrote your books stemming off of a, a facebook group 
you joined a sorority because you were seeking out um, sisterhood friendships. But ultimately, you've done all of these things regardless of how or why you decided to get into it, which is a huge thing. What advice would you give to a mother who feels as if she can't because she has kids and she has multiple children and as if something about being in the South sometimes I've heard, especially within my own family, is almost as if like once you become a mother, forget all that other stuff. Like this is now your job. Your focus is your children. But you have still like career dreams or hobbies and projects and, and desires for yourself of what you want. But definitely in Southern culture, it's almost like, where are you going? Where are your children at? Why are they not with you? Why are you on vacation? Who has your kids? You know? <laughs> and I hate that. And I do feel like generationally we're, we're breaking that. Um, but what advice would you give to a woman who wants to go after all of the things that she, she wants to do, um, but maybe is a little afraid to because she has children? I would... <sighs> ask her to really rally up her support mm. in terms of being able to accomplish things that she wants to do. You don't, you, you, mom guilt is real. Mm. Okay. Even, even I have big kids and like I say, you know, we're going on date night or, you know, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, but that does not take away the, the guilt mm -hmm. or if I'm spending, am I spending enough time with them? Um, am I telling them, if I, am I giving them the right advice? Um, am I asking the right questions? Is she really talking to me? Is he really talking to me? You know, how, how deep can I delve or how deep can I probe? Like, it's just, it's always something which you questioning if you're doing right by your kids at least that has been my experience so in seeking um something that you want to do um it it, it honestly took time for me mm. now that's not going to be everybody's experience which is why i'm saying if you can garner up that support when you have young kids to try to get a little balance in or if you're financially able to get a babysitter or um send them to a daycare or whatever for a day i feel like there is always time that we can make mm. depending on um our intention and if it's important enough to do. Mm -hmm. So for example, you can give yourself 30 minutes. I mean, I, I say that now, obviously, <laughs> that I don't have toddlers running around, but really try to, even if it's during nap time, yeah. like do something that you enjoy, because I feel like if you're doing something that you enjoy, it'll open up the, the pathway for you to be able to reach whatever goals or ambitions that you have. Mm -hmm. If you start small. Yeah. So here, here, it took me to be able to sit still. And honestly, the pandemic was a blessing for me in many ways. And I know it was so um, difficult for, for some, and I'm thankful that that wasn't my experience, but it allowed me to sit because I'm, I'm, a, I'm naturally a multitasker. I feel like I thrive mm. when I have my hand over here, hand over there, hand over there, hand over there. Now, how well am I doing everything? I don't know, <laughs> to be quite honest. But I feel like I'm doing something if I'm doing a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like I multitask very well. So I don't think I would have ever made corsages. Mm. And I'm very creative. I loved art in school. I love poetry. I, I loved creative writing back then. 
I love taking pictures, which is really photography. I've always done that. I have panoramic photos that have been developed from college. Mm. I, that That is something that's never been new, but now I have all these gadgets available to me to do it instantly, but I have always taken pictures. And I would take a class and I might take a class eventually, but I would not have done those things if not for the pandemic. Yeah. So if you can um, give yourself <clears throat> an allotted time of day or um, if you have a weekend or whatever, to be able to just sit with your thoughts and sit with your aspirations and plan something out or do something creative, then I think that will assist you in um, your goals. But you got to have help. You can't do it by yourself. Yeah. So you're going to have to ask for help or lean on someone or be able to pay for help. But you can't do it by yourself. Yeah. If you try to do it by yourself, you will go crazy. <laughs> and I know we all um, feel like we are super women and we are. But the truth of the matter is, in order to be a whole person, you need people. Yeah, yeah. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta ask for help. Right, right. Good advice. Awesome. Okay, so for people who want to purchase your book or even your corsages, where can they find either to buy? <laughs> well, great question. Thank you for that. Here's the actual book, Pretty Introspection. It is available on Amazon. So if you just go to books, there's an ebook, but I would recommend because it is a workbook. Yes. I would recommend the hard copy, which again is available on Amazon.com for $20. If you just type in pretty introspection, it'll pop up. You can also follow me on social media on Instagram um, at pretty underscore introspection. And I also have a link there, Amazon link. And I try to just do on um, Amazon, I'm calling Amazon, on IG, I try to do affirmations, um, words of encouragement, just things that can really uplift women. Just, you know, brief little synopsis that I think of um, throughout my day or what have you. So that is what Pretty Introspection is about on IG. Mm. In terms of Petal Pretty, mm. I have various corsages, again, on um, Instagram as well as Facebook. Facebook has, um, they both have the same, the same picture. So it just depends on what your preference is, if it's Facebook or if it's Instagram, but it's under the same title, Petaled, P-E-T-A-L-L-E-D. I had to use two L's because there are a lot of Petaled out there that I didn't know. So Petaled underscore pretty on both Facebook and IG. And, um, Yes, thank awesome. you so much. Thank you, January. Thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. I really enjoyed myself. Thank you. This is this is uh, another bloom for me to grow. So I so appreciate this. It was outside of my comfort zone, <laughs> but it was a pleasure.